This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Teal Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 40. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 40 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihatten and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funihatten. Good morning, Lynn. Hello. So today we're speaking with Richard Kincaid, Chief Finance and Innovation Officer for EcoRise, and Kate Hoffner, a Teacher Ambassador. A little bit about EcoRise. EcoRise is focused on developing the next generation of creative problem solvers by enlivening conventional classrooms with academically aligned K-12 curriculum that introduces students to environmental literacy, social innovation, and hands-on design skills. Green professionals serve as guest speakers and project mentors to help students solve real-world sustainability challenges concerning energy, water, waste, transportation, air quality, food, and public spaces. Richard has extensive experience in campus and district leadership positions in three different public school districts in Texas and brings with him a wealth of training and experience in the areas of instructional coaching, curriculum design and assessment, change leadership, and community engagement. Most recently, Richard led one of the largest career and technical education programs in Texas and helped design processes and structures to strengthen a district-wide comprehensive high school academy program. This model effectively combined the content of core courses with the context of real-world experiences found in CTE programs of study. And joining Richard today is Kate Hoffner, a teacher ambassador. Kate is a grade three teacher and green team leader at Hill Elementary School in Austin, Texas. Last year, she was EcoRise Teacher of the Year and helped students champion five grants for their school. Wow. Welcome to the show, Richard and Kate. (laughs) Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. We're looking forward to talking about uh, the neat things that we saw on the EcoRise website and, of course, um, hearing some of the -the in-the-field stories from Kate. So let's start with Richard. Tell us about EcoRise. What 
how did it get started and what is the mission of EcoRise? This is a really important milestone for EcoRise this year. We are turning 10 years old, um, which is really exciting. And so about 10 years ago, we started with only a couple of employees um, like many startup nonprofits, uh, those employees were completely volunteer basis. And we wanted to work with public teachers because we felt like their hands were sort of tight, right? So they had all of this content that they had to teach, but didn't have a whole lot of tools that were easily accessible to them to make what they were learning in their classrooms hands-on and relevant. And that really became our passion. And as an organization, we believe that probably our nation's greatest untapped resource are students sitting in chairs in classrooms. The ideas that they're able to come up with to really foster change in their local communities is impressive. And so over these 10 years, that's what we've grown um, and really become, I think, um, good and um, well-equipped to help teachers do. Um, as Lynn had mentioned in the opening segment, one of the ways that we do that is by offering K through 12 curriculum that's standards aligned and based on sustainability. Then we provide teachers with professional development to help make that curriculum real for them and feel very accessible. And then probably the thing that I'm most proud of at EcoRise is we award grant dollars directly back to students so that as students begin thinking about what some of these challenges are for them locally, we can fund their solutions so that it's no longer an idea on paper, but it becomes a very real living thing that they can take pride in and measure impact over time. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about how EcoRise supports the development of content knowledge, problem solving, and design skills in real world contexts. What, what does that look like um, for EcoRise? You know, at the very core of our curriculum, we tie it to design thinking. Mm -hmm. And so um, design thinking, you know, we're inspired by the design school out at Stanford University. <laughs> but, <laughs> It also blends really well when you start thinking about problem-based or project-based learning. And so it's really this inquiry process. We don't like to present students with um, a curriculum that leads them to a particular answer. Rather, we like them to really start thinking about what possibilities are within their community, finding data around things like water consumption or waste um, going to the landfill and really exploring what that means for their local communities. We tie all of that directly to math standards and science standards when they start thinking about um, maybe like water cycles or decomposition of, of matter. Um, and then really get their minds to start thinking about how they might turn this into maybe a public service campaign. And so tying in some of these additional learning standards around ELA um, English language arts, or maybe even social studies, and tying all of this content knowledge together that they're learning through textbooks and, and in their classrooms, being able to then apply it to something very specific and tangible um, within their communities. It's neat to see. So could you give us an example of, of something that you've seen a great success of um, using those, blending those three key ideas? 
Absolutely. I, I think it would be interesting maybe for Kate to talk about some of these very specific ways that she's been able to blend kind of this content knowledge, problem solving, and the design skills specifically for some of those five projects that she's used in her classroom. Um, and then I can backfill with maybe some others. That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I utilize the EcoRise curriculum and design thinking, um, project-based learning in my classroom. But more importantly, I lead a group of about 30, 40 student leaders. Uh, once a month we meet and we use their curriculum and, and design thinking to um, come up with projects that are gonna help our school ultimately earn the green flag with the National Wildlife Federation. And it's been really helpful because before learning about EcoRise, I was trying to develop my own framework for this type of learning. Sustainability couldn't be more important. And you can just tell the students are itching to become sustainable leaders. And so when I try, when I was trying to do it on my own, I really hit a wall because I couldn't find anything. And I was trying to invent this type of learning on my own. And I went to a training for EcoRise and it was my, the doors were open and they supported me in some of the projects, but you know, it was one of those things where it was a learn as you go and it was really messy and it was really frustrating. But one of the projects that uh, one of our biggest projects last year was we, we were really concerned with the waste in our school, specifically with the lunches and the idea that, um, you know, one, one use plastic and styrofoam, even when we had plastic reusable trays and it was just a convenience thing and the students were really concerned about it. So we led a through you know through EcoRise's help and their curriculum and the design thinking we led a campus-wide um, eco audit on our waste mm -hmm. so we through through one whole day of lunches at our school which by the way our school is about 990 students bursting at the seams um, so imagine all that trash and wasted food we realized that most of our recyclables were ending up in the trash and in the, in the landfill. And we realized how much the students were wasting their food for a number of reasons. Our students wanted to try to uh, alleviate this situation. So we came up with an idea to have a competition, a zero waste competition. And it was during the week of Earth, like Earth Day week. And so we had a campaign about why composting is good, what composting is and how to actually do it. We teamed up with our fifth grade students who were leading their own composting campaign um, for one of their leadership um, projects. And we went, the, some of the students in, my, in the green team went to younger classes and did a lesson that they created um, on composting and how it works. And then 
that week of Earth Week, we had the competition and we had classes compete based on a point system that we came up with. If they had reusable containers or they brought their own water bottle, they would earn points. If they wore a, <laughs> some sort of t-shirt to um, you know, celebrate Earth, Earth Day, they got a point. There were lots of ideas, but we had to come up with something that would work and not be more of a pain. So anyway, <laughs> everyone got really excited about it. And um, there were a lot of students that came waste free and we celebrated those students. But in the end, it was really great because it got the whole campus and community excited around this idea of wasting less. And um Two classes won, so we had one from the upper grades and one from the lower grades, and they each got to plant a tree, a crepe myrtle tree on our campus, and there's a sign out front in, in front of the tree um, dedicated to them, and they all signed it, and we had a book ceremony. They all earned a book on composting, too, so that's one of the projects. We have another one um, actually happening today if you want me to speak on that, but. No, that's great. So um, just to give our listeners a little bit of an overview, you have the environmental project in which you reviewed the waste um, from a day of school lunches for 990 students, brainstormed some ways to, um, you know, create less waste and also learned about composting uh, to determine what to do with some of that waste. Um, And then you develop this sort of gamification to, provide some extrinsic motivation to help students see what's possible and reduce um, their waste, in essence, exactly. and promote the message, too, as, at the same time. So, you wrapped that up in a nice bow. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you have um, another project that you're working on today. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yes. The students have become very concerned with the amount of idling happening with our cars on campus. Mm. Um, a lot of families live close by, but not close, you know, but not far enough where they can take the bus. Um, and if it's raining, the, some of those usual walkers will be dropped off. And um, sometimes just time restraints have parents driving a lot. And some of the parents uh, get really eager to pick up their students, and they'll be here about 45 minutes before the bell, just idling out front. Oh wow! So, right. So all throughout this year, we been brainstorming and using the eco-rise design thinking um, curriculum. And by the way, project-based learning is all the rage. So that's another reason why eco-rise is is so successful with us, because it's something that every teacher wants to be doing. Every teacher sees uh, the amount of effectiveness in. So we came up with a lot of different prototypes, but what we landed on was having a day of, of a, like a campaign day for no idling. And this is after, you know, uh, educating our community, the younger classes and parents and things like that, uh, creating videos around it. But today the students are meeting about 40 minutes before the bell and they are going out to knock on windows of, of cars that are idling or even cars that are out there and having them um, sign, the, uh, sign the no idling pledge that's on I turn it off com, And we're handing out these nice, beautiful rear view mirror hangers that the kids designed. And it says, idle free is the way to be. And then on the back, it has three facts about idling. Mm-hmm. And the, this is a way for us to um, 
sort of get the parents involved and realize that it's actually important to know that young lungs are working here. <laughs> so how did you identify the problem of idling um, and determine to work on that as one of your, your five projects? And um, what was the support that EcoRise gave you through um, the project award that you were provided? Yeah, so, well, and I, I didn't mention this, but what, but our grant for this part project is to buy three very heavy-duty traffic signs talking about how important it is to mm. not idle next to the school. So the hopefully we'll get those and we can put two in the front, one in the back of the school to help parents remember. But um, <clears throat> at the beginning of the year, the students – brainstormed some of the things on campus that they were really wanting to fix. And this is three years of, of really um, working to, to gain uh, interest in sustainable topics. And really I I've worked hard to get a a lot of excitement and build the culture of, of sustainability and progressive issues like this on the campus, which isn't hard because this is a community that really is involved and cares. Um, but the students, this was one of the biggest things that they were noticing and it, it felt like there would be more of a tangible way to solve this. So yeah, at the beginning of the year, we came up with our, with our top goals and this was one of them. And, um, and then we started each meeting brainstorming how we could get parents to understand and then also turn their engines off. Mm-hmm. And the students designed the placard and our listeners couldn't see the placard. Um, yeah. But as, um, as we saw, it looks like a student drawing and then has some fastbacks on the back. And it kind of looks like one of those door hangers that you would hang on your door um, or, a, yeah. or a parking pass you'd hang on the rear view mirror. Exactly. Yeah, they designed it. So we, um, I had them get into teams and they came up with ideas of what would be important on the, they, they actually even had a draft of the hanger and they voted on these two drawings. One of them is a black and white drawing of a truck and some people, stick figures and they, they don't like the smoke coming from the, the exhaust coming from the truck. And on the back is a, is a pencil drawing of the world with some cars um, and they're idling, and then there's a stop sign. So, so I'm definitely hearing lots of um, student voice in these projects, identifying Absolutely. the project topic, um, formulating ideas for how to engage the community members, creating the creating the placard or the uh, rearview mirror tag, voting on it uh, after looking at multiple iterations. So there's a it, lot of student buy-in, especially mm-hmm. with the design thinking, you know, you don't stop at the first idea you have. And that's what I think is so important and such a great takeaway from the EcoRise uh, design thinking program, because it really forces them to look at it in a different way and exhaust all types of ways of doing it. And it puts the students, no pun intended, but in the driver's seat, and it really allows them to be the problem solver. And um, look at really anything in life like that. So it's also very uh, student-centered, very learner-centered, and I would say from your descriptions, very cross-curricular too. So yeah. um, regardless of what your content area is as a teacher, 
using um, these projects can can cut across all sorts of different knowledge sets and and skill levels. So I don't know, if, Richard, if you want to talk to that about maybe how some of the other projects um, cut across those skill and content areas, and maybe how some different teachers with different backgrounds are utilizing them. Yeah, thank you. And so about two years ago, we started a district-wide rollout in a district just outside of Houston, Texas, Tomball ISD. And the really significant thing about our work with Tomball really fell into two different areas. The first, it was EcoRise's first foray into um, project-based learning instructional training for teachers. And so this was our very first time that we were conducting training sessions outside of the traditional science type classroom that you would typically expect a sustainability program to be in, right? The second thing that happened as a result of that is we began working um, in very meaningful ways with teachers across the academic spectrum. So kindergarten through 12th grade, we had social studies, English, math, science teachers, elective teachers, all sitting in one place, learning about really great instructional practice wrapped around the context of sustainability. And this became really kind of an aha moment for us because we realized that there was a thirst not only for this sort of PBL training, but there was a real thirst as well for, as Kate put it, for the sustainability type of program for students. So this, in a lot of ways, students were driving this particular context. We love robotics, we love these other things, but we also really have a passion for the environment and we wanna learn how we can make a difference in our local community. And, and really the big aha for us is Oftentimes when schools implement these sorts of PBL or STEM type programs, it's very much project centric, but in a lot of ways, actually implementing those projects, the burden financially, you know, lays at the doorstep of the district or the campus or the teacher. So we can talk about what these outcomes could be in a hypothetical situation. And that wasn't good enough for us. We wanted students to really be able to measure this impact and do the things that they kind of iterated through this design process to actually go and try. You know, what, what's the outcome really going to be in real life? Um, and so being able to award these microgrants became a game changer for us and really motivated these multidisciplinary teachers not only to work together, but they saw a way for their students to have a real world impact in their communities. We mesh, I keep saying impact. And I think it's important that we talk about how we measure impact um, with our programs. Um, really there are three buckets that we use, social impact, an environmental impact, and an economic impact. The social impact, we do pre and post surveys of students, uh, that are using our curriculum. So at the beginning of the year, we wanna know what their ideas are around sustainability. Um, what are they doing at home about sustainability? Do they even know what sustainability is? And then at the end of the year, after they've kind of gone through these hands-on efforts, we wanna know what sorts of behaviors have you modified, either in the classroom or at home. And what we have found over the past five years, 97% of students in an EcoRise classroom 
have adopted at least one sustainable practice over the course of a year, which is a game changer. On these projects that we award grant dollars to, so there's a number of projects that happen where teachers you know, don't apply for grant dollars or it just doesn't make sense, like you don't need dollars to implement, um, maybe some of the social change that they're, they're trying to enact. But those that do, we have impacted around 12,000 students directly through student projects. That amounts to about 171 projects that we've awarded grants to wow. since 2015. We average $500 per student project. So over the course of what, three years, we've awarded almost $72,000 directly to students to help implement these projects on their campus. We also measure how many students are indirectly impacted by this. So it might be as few as 30 students in a classroom. There was some sort of modification that happened. These 30 students were impacted because they're now helping to tend to the school garden. Maybe even bigger than that, maybe students like we had at one middle school um, or one elementary school rather north of Austin in Round Rock ISD, they created a composting program. And as part of that composting program, they went to a school PTA meeting and shared with parents how they can begin kitchen composting um, regularly at their house. And so we start looking at how many people are then indirectly engaged by these projects. We're almost at 300,000 people that have been impacted in the last three years from these 101 projects. We also measure environmental impact. And these numbers, Randy, are gonna make your head spin. Um, since 2015, <laughs> our, students, our students through their projects have improved an estimated 735,000 cubic feet of improved indoor air quality wow. um, through various measures. We have reduced, our students have reduced around 170,000 tons of carbon, saved around 21.7 million kilowatt hours of energy, produced through school gardens almost 6,000 pounds of food. Outside, They've recognized that students can learn outside sometimes even better than they can learn in an indoor classroom. And as a result, we have helped to fund almost 110,000 square feet of public space around campuses and at outdoor learning centers. Our students have diverted almost 2 million pounds of waste, a lot of that through projects like Kate described. Um, by just sorting your trash through school cafeterias in a more meaningful and environmentally friendly way. And we, our students through projects, have almost saved about a million gallons of water, either through installing low-flow um, faucet ends on the school faucets, uh, directing school staff towards leaks. Um, and even, you may have seen this on some of your campuses, Randy, uh, sometimes schools like to water dirt, right? So you have the sprinklers out there running at any sort of time of day, um, just watering um, incorrectly. And so these are all environmental impacts that are the result of our student projects, and we couldn't be prouder. The return on investment for districts also becomes something that I think we're really proud of. Um, based on this the $500 average award that we make, uh, we've measured about a $5,000 return on investment to a campus bottom line. 
So a $500 project often results in about $5,000 of direct resource savings back to the district or campus. Um, that's pretty impressive. So, wow, you clearly, we can hear the pride in your voice and you're tracking those data sources and um, certainly we're seeing that environmental impact and sustainability. Thanks for sharing those details. The numbers do make our heads spin. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you do do some work with community partners as listed on your website. Can you give us an example of one of those uh, projects? Absolutely. Um, we have a number of partners um, that we're really proud of. We started in Austin, Texas, and we have literally expanded across the U.S. Um, our newest state to really have brought outreach in is the state of New York. Uh, BNY Mellon has been instrumental in underwriting the costs of our expansion into schools in um, New York State, particularly in New York City. Um, and so it's a really interesting way for a large institution that's absolutely committed to helping communities that they work in, bring sustainability education programs and grant opportunities for students um, to help make some of that local impact. And so um, they have been instrumental in helping us bring schools on board um, within the New York State area. Another group that we're really proud to partner with is Southwest Airlines. Um, you know, it's, it's almost kind of ironic, right, that a sustainability company would partner with an industry that arguably is, has the worst carbon footprint of any industry on the planet, right? Airlines are incredibly carbon heavy, but culturally it makes a really nice fit for us. Um, Southwest Airlines, like BNY, is absolutely committed to helping communities that they operate in. And um, it's really interesting because despite the industry that they're in, um, Southwest makes a cognizant effort in every single operation that they do to make it as green as possible. And so what Southwest has done is enabled us to travel um, to move about the country, as they might say, mm -hmm. uh, at no cost on their airline um, and get us to conferences, help us with recruiting efforts, and even better, um, this summer we're launching our very first nationwide teacher training in Austin, Texas, where we're bringing some of our rock star teachers. Um, we have ambassadors around the country, just like Kate, and Southwest is... Uh, helping us to bring all of those teachers into Austin at no cost to the teachers. And so they've, they've really helped us make an impact. Mm. I think probably the third partnership that, that I, I want to mention, it's not on the website yet. You're the first to know. <laughs> uh, we just inked a deal with Green Mountain Energy. They have a nonprofit organization, an arm called the Sun Club. And it's really a neat partnership. Um, Green Mountain Energy is probably one of the greenest energy providers um, in the United States. And they are helping us to underwrite all of our expansion into Houston, Texas. Um, so for the next three years, any teacher um, in the Houston metro area has access to all of our curriculum, teacher training, and student grants at no cost. Wow. 
was being completely underwritten by the Sun Club at Green Mountain. Hmm. And so the logo is not on our website yet. Um, it will be there very shortly. Uh, but it's, it's certainly those types of partnerships where we have that common synergy. They're really wanting to make a difference in local communities that they operate in. Um, we can certainly help with that. And, and we're so appreciative of, of groups, you know, like Southwest, BNY, and, and Green Mountain. Sure. So I appreciate you asking about those. Yeah, it sounds like you've really developed some win-win collaborations there. Absolutely. And some uh, next steps for EcoRise, some new things there that you shared. Mm -hmm. So thanks uh, for sharing that, Richard. How about you, Kate? Uh, what's next for you and your classroom? Um, obviously, we're sort of in the last lap of the school year here, um, but do you have anything planned for the end of school or for the summer? So we uh, we have our campaign today for no idling. So that's kind of next up on my agenda. But, you know, there's just a lot of energy around sustainable projects on campus. I think some families here are interested in writing some grants for some watershed projects. And, and we've got our Monarch Butterfly project that's going on right now. So we've got a lot of things that we're kind of finishing up, but the commitment from Hill here is just, it's, it's really overwhelmingly um, positive and I look forward to seeing what what further projects the students come up with. Well it certainly sounds like uh, crossing paths with EcoRise has been pretty transformational for your practice. It's been a great marriage and just to share a funny story with you I've had a lot of parents come up to tell me thank you for um, all of the information they've given to their kids because their kids have had to have sit down conversations with them about um, how they're not recycling their beer bottles. <laughs> and there's another story a parent told me where they were out to eat at a restaurant and the, their, their child ordered a drink. And when the drink came, started crying. And when they asked the, the child why, she said, it's because the waitress brought me a styrofoam cup. So Aww. it just kind of shows how much um, impact the, the curriculum from EcoRise has on these students and how they're going to be our future sustainable leaders mm -hmm. because they're going to care. Thanks so much for joining us, um, Richard and Kate. That's a great way to end our conversation that these learners are going to be our future because they care. Thank you. To learn more about EcoRise's work, you can check out EcoRise on the web. There's also a great video that you can um, see there and learn about some of the projects and, and activities and engagements that EcoRise has. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking some conversation. This episode's question, how can the EcoRise curriculum and student innovation challenges support your efforts to transform education? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared in our conversation, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 4, Episode 40. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Richard and Kate. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Just in time to pick up my kids. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.